Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. Kentucky got a senior night victory on Tuesday night at Rupp Arena versus Ole Miss, 83-72, to where they honored uh, seniors Davion Mintz and Kellen Grady. Both of those guys made an impact in that game. Davion Mintz had eight points. He was two of four from three. Kellen Grady, nine points, three of eight from the field, one of four from three. Uh, Grady played 30 minutes, so good to see him kind of getting a little bit of a break here. He had been playing close to 38 to 40 minutes, especially when Xavier Wheeler and Tata Washington were both out with injuries. Mintz did play 25 minutes, uh, but I think it's good that Grady didn't play as many minutes at Arkansas. He didn't play as many as he had been uh, last night versus Ole Miss. You're, you're going to need him to run 37, 38-plus when it gets to the NCAA tournament here in a couple of weeks, but uh, just – Let's talk about some takeaways from the game last night. Sorry, I settled if I'm a little bit under the weather. I'm battling a little bit of a cold. Uh, but Kentucky did get a win. It wasn't the prettiest win, but it was March 1st. And the story in March is just find a way to survive. And it was a frustrating game. Covering it was frustrating. I think watching it was probably frustrating for a lot of people because it looked like at different times that Kentucky was going to kind of drop the hammer and put Ole Miss away, especially the way the game started. I thought Kentucky was on pace to score 100-plus. And then they started grinding things out there in the second half. But a win is a win. And the biggest takeaway for me from the game was the two guards that are returning from injury. Xavier Wheeler, I thought he looked like his normal self, especially as the game got going. 16 points, 6 of 9 from the field, one of his better shooting games on the season. And then this, that the sneaky ability that for him to start knocking down three-point attempts. And I know – I'm not sitting here saying that Xavier should shoot a lot of threes. I don't think that he should be taking four or five a game. But when he is wide open, he has to be able to hit some of those shots. And to me, his shot looked better the last couple of games. I think there's more arc on his shot. I think there's more uh, the ball spinning better. It looks better out of his hand. I think maybe they've made an effort to fix some of the things. Maybe that's something he's been working on on his own. But the three-point attempts seem like they've been better attempts, too. I, if you do away with the long two-point jumpers that are pulled up with 20-plus seconds remaining on the shot clock, I can live with Sabir taking two or three threes a game if they're wide open, especially if they're late in clock. And last night, the two that he hit early in the game, very good-looking shots and, and wide-open shots, and he has to hit those. Uh, doing some digging today, I wrote a couple of stories. And for the start of the season, Sabir was four of 23 from three-point range in the first 14 games. Two of those makes came in the opener versus Duke. The last 12 games, he's shooting 50% from three-point range, 10 of 20. Not taking a lot of them, and I know there's been some games in there where he did not play. Obviously, there's three or four games missing when it comes to the total number of games that he's played in and uh, the team's played in, but that is a sneaky thing that if he can just knock down one a game that's wide open or if he gets a second one and, and he has to take it, that Notre Dame game where they were playing off of him, backing off of him, and he, and he couldn't hit those shots, that it, I mean, it caused Kentucky to lose the game. He just can't fall in love with it. But if he can be a respectable shooter there and stay around that 30% mark, it changes the way Kentucky plays offensively. And I thought the other big story, obviously, was Ty Ty Washington. I know his minutes, he, he didn't play a ton of minutes what he normally would play. He played a lot at Arkansas, ended up playing more than 35 minutes down there essentially played the entire game after he subbed in in the first few minutes uh, after not starting. Last night, they honored Davion Mintz. They let him start on senior night. They brought Ty Ty off the bench. He only played 23 minutes, which I think is good. Uh, keep him fresh, get him ready here, and then let him start in at Florida. And an SEC tournament probably increased those minutes to 30-plus again. 
14 points, five of 10 shooting. He did knock down a three, three of five from the free throw line. The, the big thing for me was the scoring stretch that you saw in the first half where it was three straight buckets. He had a couple steals in there. He had a three. Uh, I know he got to the rim and got an and one. I thought that was encouraging to see because that looked like the old Tata Washington before the lower leg injury that he had there against Florida and before the ankle injury he suffered against Auburn. That looked like the guy that was building a ton of momentum in January before the injuries hit. So I thought that was encouraging to see. I think that's him building confidence and something that you will see carry over into Florida on Saturday and then into that conference tournament in Tampa next week. Uh, so those were my two main takeaways from the night. Oscar Shibway, once again, dominant and efficient, 18 points, 9 of 12 field goals, 15 rebounds. I mean, wh what more can you say about the guy? John Calipari said that he thought that Oscar got a little bit bullied last night, and he still finishes with 18 points and 15 rebounds, four offensive rebounds, 11 defensive rebounds. And then when you go through the game notes, Oscar's game notes, when UK sends them out for post game, it's like a paragraph every single time with, with a record or, or something that he's close to breaking. Uh, let me pull up the game notes from last night, and I will read some of the stuff that Oscar is doing when it comes to chasing records that Dan Issel holds, uh, college basketball records, everything. So it was his 12th straight double-double. First Wildcat to do that since Dan Issel had 12 consecutive double-doubles in the 1969-70 season. It was also his 24th double-double of the season. That's second in the nation in that category. It tied Julius Randle for second place on UK single season list. He only needs two. So if he does it, if he gets a double double at Florida, he would tie Dan Issel in that 69 70 season. If he does, if he gets two more, he will own the single season record for the most double doubles in UK history. Uh, he scored double figures in 12 straight games. That's the best since UK's Emmanuel quickly had 20 game stretch in the 2019 2020 season. The nation's leading rebounder. 17 straight games with double-figure rebounds and has grabbed double-figure rebounds in all but two games this season. It's the longest streak of double-figure rebounding by a major conference player since Wake Forest. Tim Duncan also had 17 straight games during the 1996-97 season. So think about that. What Oscar's doing is player of the year category. I mean, it's player of the year status. It would be a shame if he doesn't win national player of the year. He is a semifinalist for National Defensive Player of the Year. I don't think that's an award that he's going to win. Uh, but when you look at his steals numbers, his blocks numbers and stuff, he's making an impact on that end of the floor as well. But just this, this list in the postgame notes, he's now he now has 460 rebounds this season, moving past Bob Burrow, who had 459 in the 1954-55 season. That ranks third place on the U.K. single-season list. So just think about what Oscar Shibway is doing and, and how dominant he's been and that seems like a guy that if, if Kentucky goes on a run here in the postseason, there are going to be a lot of stories, a lot of features done on him on, on CBS and, and some other networks because that guy is just uh, absolutely tearing up college basketball this season. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, 
It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. But one thing I want to talk about that is concerning me, and I kind of been putting it off because I kind of just been chalking it up, is they've not had their their guards at full strength and they've not been in rhythm, and, and that's the defensive efficiency. So I said yesterday on the pregame episode, the episode where I was doing just a rundown of the bracketology and things like that, that I wanted to pay attention to Kentucky's defensive numbers over these two games in the regular season in the SEC tournament in Tampa, and I wanted to see where they are when it comes to Ken Palm. So I'm still going to hold off on, on see where they are in college basketball until we get through that SEC tournament. But Ken Palm, the defensive efficiency, they're down to number 23 in the country. Offensive efficiency climbed to number two last night. Overall in Ken Palm, they're down to four. That defensive number, I want to see that thing kind of climb again and get into that top 15. I, I really want to see where they are. I think that's an area that they need to work on. I think they've been getting beat off the bounce a little bit too much. I will say that I think Ty Ty Washington has emerged as their best on and off ball defender. And as he gets healthy and gets back to full strength, if you can get Wheeler back to doing his thing, guarding the basketball, containing the basketball, and being that pest that he is on the ball, the way Tata has emerged defensively, I think Kentucky could figure some things out. That, that's the thing that they've got to get figured out. If they want to win a national championship, they're going to have to continue doing what they're doing with their offensive efficiency. I think Kentucky could win in a shootout. But you're going to have that game where you're not hitting shots and you have got to trust your ability to guard on the defensive end. I want to see Kentucky lock in, get it done. They've got three days now. You have today, Thursday, Friday, before they travel to Gainesville. You would love to see them go to Gainesville and have like a 60-point defensive effort against the Gators or something similar to that. I think they only gave up 57 or so at Rupp Arena a couple weeks ago. You got to get out of this 70 plus, 75 plus, 80 plus stuff that they've been giving up in recent weeks. I know it's been settling somewhere in the mid 70s. Uh, that's not a very good offensive team for Ole Miss, and they were able to to get to 72 last night. It looked like it was going to be a lot more though when the game was going on, and then the game kind of grinded out and slowed down in the second half. I, like I said, I think Kentucky can outscore a lot of teams when it comes to their offensive efficiency, but I want to see that defensive number start to climb again. And I want to see it with my own two eyes on the floor. I think that that's something that Cal's going to focus on the remainder of this week. And that long layoff from Saturday till next Friday for the SEC tournament, you're going to see them get in the gym and do some defensive things. I know John Calipari is not a guy that likes to go live this time of year to avoid injuries. Uh, it'd be interesting to see exactly what he decides to do. It, interesting, too, that he said on the postgame show with Tom Leach that Damian Collins is going to be a guy that he would like to get involved and play him some at the four spot, which would then allow Lance to play a little more at the five. But he did say that Damian is the guy he believes is going to be the difference in whether they advance or not uh, in a couple of rounds. So Damian Collins is a guy to keep your eye on at Florida. It, it does feel like that John Calipari is kind of wanting him to be that guy off the bench to, to make an impact. And may, to me, it might be because of his length and his ability to affect shots at the rim something Kentucky does not have defensively. So if Kentucky wants to add that as a defensive element and impact, maybe that comes from Damian Collins. I know Oscar's not going to block a ton of shots. He's going to get a lot of steals. He's going to defend his position. Uh, but Damian can affect the game with his length, and that might be something that Calipari's wanting to do over the next couple of weeks as they move into the postseason and, and the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament beyond that. Uh, just looking through the, the stat sheet here, if there's anything else I really need to talk about, uh, Jacob Toppin, seven points in 21 minutes. Uh, I think that he he kind of hit a, a wall there the last few games. I think that he's going to break out of that. That SEC tournament, 
if they go all the way to the finals, that's three straight days of back-to-back-to-back. That's where you've seen guys in the past kind of come out of a funk. And in 2012, it was Darius Miller that couldn't buy a shot, couldn't do anything. And then Michael Kidd-Gilchrist gave up his starting spot on the championship Sunday there and got Darius Miller going for the tournament. I want to see that tournament be used to the way Cal has always done it, to build for March, not as much your resume, but confidence. Get somebody playing good for two or three straight games and then go into that NCAA tournament with a ton of confidence uh, bracketology update, Kentucky, there was some shakeup last night. Kansas did lose on the road at TCU. That's not a bad loss. That's a quad one loss, but it's back-to-back quad one losses in 48 hours. They lost at Baylor on Saturday, followed it with a loss at TCU on Big Monday in the Big 12, or on Tuesday, so actually not 48 hours, sorry. I've, I've been so messed up this week when it comes to days, but that's two consecutive losses for Kansas to, to right here in late in the season. That drops them from the lowest number one to the second two seed. The only reason Kentucky got bumped up to the top two seed is so Baylor and Kansas aren't the top two seeds from the same conference in that region. So I know Lenardi put out in his notes today, Auburn goes to Mississippi State tonight. If Auburn loses, they fall off the one line again. It's not Kentucky that climbs. It's Kansas that goes back to the one line. But that head-to-head win that Kentucky had in Lawrence in late January if it's close on Selection Sunday and Kentucky wins the SEC tournament, they win out. I think the committee would look at that and give Kentucky the bump and put Kentucky as a one seed. I know Jerry Palm of CBS, I know them. he had them as a three seed going into yesterday. A lot of talk about that. I said, I don't think Kentucky's a three seed. He did bump them back up to a two seed, but has them in the West region. Uh, they'd be playing in Indianapolis for the first round, but then they'd be playing in San Francisco in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. I don't think Kentucky's going to get to that point to where they get sent out west as a two. I think Kentucky's going to be somewhere in that Midwest bracket in Chicago or Philly in the east. Uh, So that's something to pay attention to. When it comes to their quad one wins, that win against Vandy, uh, it seems like it's going to keep kind of teetering back and forth on whether it's going to be a quad one or a quad two. Vandy had a chance to beat Florida last night in Nashville. That would have been big for their resume when it comes to the net and it would have helped Kentucky. Instead, Vandy lost a four-point game in Nashville, and they fell from like 73 in the net to 77 in the net. So it's right there still close enough that it couldn't move into a quad one. It could be a quad two. So that's a game to pay attention to for the next – or a team to pay attention to for the next seven to ten days. Uh, Vandy does play – let's see here. They have a game to close the regular season. They're on the road road at Ole Miss, 108 in the net. So uh, maybe they can get a win there and help themselves, obviously, Kentucky on the road at Florida. That would be a quad one win versus the Gators. Kentucky is currently seven and six in quad one. Can they get to that 10-plus quad one win uh, category? If they get one Saturday, that would be a secure eight quad one victories that will not drop to a quad two, depending on what happens with that Vandy game. Multiple opportunities in Tampa – if they can get to that 10 to 11, I think they're definitely a strong two seed, but I think they'd be in contention for a one seed as well. Arizona did get an impressive win versus USC last night. So Gonzaga, Arizona there at the top, Baylor at the top. That last one seed seems to be the one with Auburn, Kansas, Kentucky. Can Wisconsin sneak in there and get that one a big win versus Purdue last night in the Big Ten? There's a lot to play for over the next 10 to 14 days before Selection Sunday. It's going to be fun to watch. I hope you stay locked into Kentucky Daily. Derek and I will be back. We are doing a mailbag episode. It will drop on Thursday. You still have time to send in your questions, so please do that. Send them via DM. 
I will also be on a radio show tomorrow morning. If y'all want to listen, I'll plug that on my Twitter feed at GVB country. So be looking for that. If you want to catch some more coverage about Kentucky and in the upcoming game versus Florida and the SEC tournament. So I will plug that on my Twitter feed, but Derek will be back and we'll have a mailbag episode. As always, the show is powered by blue wire pods. It's also powered by the butcher's pub. You got three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 